Father, this morning we just come to you, Father. Oh, Father, you are the author of life. Your word said, and you said in your word, if any man believes in me, even though he dies, he lives. We thank you for the lives that have gone before us. And we thank you for the new lives you are adding into our midst. Both are from you. We thank you, Father. We just thank you. Now as we come to the ministry of the word, I pray he will help us all to decrease. That Christ and Christ alone may increase. I pray you will help me to lift up Christ so that you draw all men, all hearts towards you. I pray as we sang in the morning, the word of God will go forth and cleanse, sanctify, heal, set up our words, our life, and our path straight. Anoint us afresh this morning. Me to speak, all of us to hear. Because we need you, Lord. We need you. Speak to us this morning, Father. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. For those who have been coming or been listening online, we've been looking how we are prepared for the last days. Because practically after the resurrection of Jesus, every episode the apostles wrote was to prepare each generation for the Lord's coming. That you are prepared if he comes today and you are prepared if he delays his coming. And every generation, the remnant as we call them, walked in that knowledge, walked in that light. How do you prepare? How do you be watchful? And scripture says, all these things have been written for those upon whom the end of ages have come. So when the apostolic age began, the end of the age began. If the end of the age began then with them, how much more for us who are probably caught in that last hour. So some of the verses or many parts of the Bible will be very specific actually for the people living in the last days. So if it didn't make much sense to the people who lived earlier, it will make a lot of sense for us who are caught in that last hour. For scripture says the last days will be characterized by lawlessness. And a new word, lovelessness. Calamities, violence, and incredible fear in the hearts of men. And in the church, within the church, the visible church, people falling away from the true faith and running after false teachers and false doctrines. Yet we have seen that even in the darkest period in human history, God will always have his remnant. So stop fighting and be prepared. For no man knows, Jesus said, the hour. No man knows the hour when he will come. So we continue to study scriptures as part of our preparation. I can only teach 
and I can only prepare for myself. Okay, that's the, that is the incredible, scary, biblical truth. Each one can only prepare for himself. He cannot even prepare his spouse or children. He cannot. That's why two will be in my bed and both taken away. He doesn't carry. The covenant of marriage only lasts till death or his second coming. It doesn't go beyond. Because you could be separated at that moment in eternity. Okay, so each one can only prepare on their own. So one day as Jesus was walking towards the end of his life, walking out of the temple, the disciples were pointing out this incredible temple. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Okay, everybody's interested about uh, structure, right? Construction, human construction. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? What they saw and what he saw were absolutely different perspective. He says, assuredly, I say to you, they are telling, Lord, look at it. Wow. He said, let me tell you a bigger wow. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. So understand two things. These things are revealed, even if you read, are revealed only by the Lord to disciples, not to the crowds. Crowds won't understand his second coming. Or understands the mysteries and the secrets hidden in the second coming. Because to understand that, one, you need to come to him privately. And then you need to be a disciple. You and I need to be a disciple. So they are saying, wow, look at this temple. Remember three and a half years earlier when he began his ministry, you would have seen another scene. In John chapter 2, 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And they said, Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? They said, well, What are you talking about? It took us 46 years to build. But he was talking about its actual destruction. Physically and spiritually, he's talking about the building of his body. As we sang the first song today, this is your home. Not this place, not this building, the people. This is your home. This is your house. At the end of three days, the three millennium, he will have his home, his house. And he's the cornerstone. We are all the living stones on which he's working. So the conversation in Matthew chapter 24, which is called the Olivet Discourse, will lead to the, to an entire teaching on the science of the last days. And the key word he uses about is, to us is, be watchful. So today we are not looking at the science. We've been looking at it in different weeks, different meetings. But we are looking at another aspect about being prepared. So, Matthew 24, in the discourse, he will talk about the science. And at the end of Matthew 24, he will tell you about those who were not watchful. 
the servant when he found his master delayed started drinking and beating up all the others doesn't say a man in the world he says somebody who knew god but because he was not expecting him to come soon okay so he gives a sign over there then in matthew 25 in the first 13 verses he will talk about the 10 virgins five foolish five were wise again a set of people who half were prepared half were unprepared then in the second part of matthew 25 he will talk about the parable of the talents one was given five another three and another one and when the master suddenly came those who were prepared and those who were not so you need to realize after talking about the signs of his coming in matthew 24 he actually teaches us which way people will move which way people will move those who were watchful and those who were not watchful those who were berserk because they didn't expect him to come and those who were faithful while be watchful and at the end of matthew 25 he comes and he's dividing the nation into sheep and goats and starts judgment that's how he enter finishes the entire course discourse of his second coming so it's interesting or it's important we study not only the signs of his coming but these parables that are associated to see lord where do i fall so one question in matthew 24 and verse 3 what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age will lead to one of the most detailed exhaustive answer by jesus on the last days and how to be prepared how to be watchful how to be faithful and how to watchfully serve till the last hour and how we will reward all those who are watchful faithful and found serving and one of the things hidden in the teaching these three parables i mentioned hidden in the teaching we will study today okay in matthew 24 and verse 48 but if the evil servant says in his heart my master is delaying his coming He says in his heart, okay, he said he's coming. Behold, finally when revelation ended also, behold, I come quickly. It's not come. It's not come. Two thousand years are over. He's not come. In 25 and verse 5, while the bridegroom was delayed. In 25 and 19, after a, so it's there in scripture. He says, I have delayed my coming. It is there. the mouth of two or three witnesses everything is he himself has said only thing we didn't see it he said i have delayed my coming right he actually tells us 2000 years in advance that i have delayed my coming the bridegroom will delay which is a surprise for us because in every wedding i have conducted is the bride who delays So that's why you f- find these funny pictures of the bridegroom standing on one leg, standing on one leg, pulling this thing because the bride is not here. But in this one wedding of all weddings, the bridegroom has delayed. Because this is no normal wedding. 
Because this wedding will not only trigger the greatest celebration universe has ever seen, but also will lead to a series of events that will lead to complete destruction and judgment the way man has never known. Peter who was there that day on the Mount of Olives will tell us years later, the reason the bridegroom delays is not because he is not ready. Who oh, has been ready 2000 years ago. But because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. He is not drowsy. He hasn't fallen asleep. It is not, he is not ready. It is not that he is preparing. No. But it is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The only reason the bridegroom delays is his giving everyone chance for those in the world to repent and to get in. To those who have got in to be sanctified completely at the hour of his coming. So that you can be part of the bride. For many reasons, connected with salvation, he has delayed. And that's the only reason he has delayed. But that delay is not indefinite. The same God who said during the first universal judgment, during Noah's time, he said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. He said, no, that is not, there's there's nothing indefinite. So as we've been looking through the weeks, there are only two days that matters in the life of a believer. One is today, not tomorrow. Today, if you hear my voice, God never says in the Bible, today, if you hear my voice, repent tomorrow. He never says that. He says today. And then there is another day called the day of the Lord. The day of Christ. So many, the day of Jacob's trouble. So many names talking about another day in the future and today. He says, today, if you hear my voice. So today, if you hear his voice. Okay. So the question is this. The master has delayed. The bridegroom has delayed. The master was a long time in coming. So what does it do to us? What does delay do to us? When his visible presence isn't there, and he delays, that's what happens to children. When parents are out and the delay in coming, their true nature will show. When the teacher says, sit quietly, I'll go to the principal office and come in one minute. If that one minute becomes five minutes, ten minutes, scholars will arise. Are you getting the picture? So in 24... Verses 48 to 49, my master is delaying his coming and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards. What does one set of people do? They start getting into every fight and quarrels and exactly in the ways of the world and start getting drunk in worldliness. Why? Because he delayed his coming. What does delay do to us? In 25 verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for your our lambs are going out. What happens to the other people who did not beat up each other, neither get drunk in worldliness? What did they happen? They ran out of what? They ran out of oil. I'm not getting into that today. 
They ran out of oil. It didn't say they ran out of the lamp. It didn't say that they are not separated. They ran out of oil. That's why scripture says don't run out of oil at the last hour. In 25 verse 24 and 26, he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. He's, he's, he's justifying his action, but hiding the truth. And God will reveal the truth and judge him. He says, I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. What does the Lord say? But the Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy fellow. You're making excuses. You're making excuses. Not being prepared, not being watchful, and for not serving me. You know what? You're evil. Your heart is evil. You did not beat up others like the other servant. But you are also evil. And you are extremely lazy. You are lazy. And we didn't realize laziness is a sin that can keep us out of the kingdom. And what about the acceptable ones? During delay. In verse 10, scripture says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready. Those who were ready went with him. He came in an unexpected hour. Those who were ready. And verse 16. And he who had received five talents went out and traded with them and made another five talents. When the master came, he was found serving and found profitably serving. So they were ready and they were serving. Okay, we are not looking at that today. That is not the topic. We are just giving you the background. What he comes today. If what happens if today becomes that day? So when the master delays, what does the church and the individual need most? That's the question we are addressing today. If your and my Lord delays, and he is delayed, he has delayed, what is that we need most? James in chapter 5 verses 7 and 8 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What do we need? Patience. We never realize. If you really want to be prepared and ready for the coming of the Lord, one thing that we need in the kingdom is patience. And then the next, 10 and 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Along with patience, you need long-suffering and perseverance. These are not all the same, but they're very closely connected. These three are incredibly connected and they should go together. Okay, Patience is more a state of mind. Perseverance has to do with the work we do while waiting patiently, not giving up. Perseverance is connected with the work that you do without giving up. While long-suffering has to do with patience 
and perseverant while enduring the trials and the afflictions which one will go through if you live for Jesus in a hostile world. These are three different things, yet they have to come together. You see a monk who goes to a monastery. He's patient, but he's not persevering. He has just withdrawn from the world. He's patient, but does he have perseverance? No. Is he going through any affliction? No. Because Jesus said, I have withdrawn you from the world. He says, no, I have sent you. As what? Sheep among wolves. Sheep among wolves. You need patience. You need perseverance to hang in there among wolves. And you will get beaten quite a bit. You may lose a ear or a leg, but hang in there. I'm not sending you among sheep. I am sending you among wolves. There is no withdrawal from the hostile world. Jesus actually says, if you're persecuted in one city, run to the other. But don't stop your work. Run. We cannot react like the Taliban too. If my message is not received, I'll take your head off. No. He says you need to be gentle as doves. I was telling my wife yesterday, there is a saying, scripture says, be wise as a, and be gentle as. The common saying, especially in Telangana and Andhra, if you see a mallu or a serpent, kill the mallu. And I take it as a compliment because they're accepting that the mallu is more wise than the serpent. Because God says, be wise as a serpent. Probably if he had written scripture, he says, be wise as the mallu. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, just to make you wake up, okay? Let's get back to scripture. <laughs> you see, you should learn to laugh at yourself. Okay? Don't get offended by saying king is sing and I'm going to go to the Supreme Court to stop all sing jokes. No, so what? Laugh at yourself. It's a big deal. No? So listen to the last of the apostles, the last of the first set of apostles in Revelation 1.9. I, John, both your brother, companion in long suffering and in patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ waiting patiently, persevering in long suffering. Patiently. And he's the one who writes the final book. Companion. He says, I'm a companion. I'm your brother. A companion in tribulation, in perseverance, and in patience. Still doing the work of God. In his late 80s, probably absolutely crippled, thrown in boiling oil, did not die, and yet writing his vision down. Persevering. Patient. In long suffering. So for today's study's sake, we will lump them together. Okay? Patience, perseverance, long suffering. We shall call it as patience. Some places it may show us perseverance or endurance, but we will look at patience. So the question is, if the bridegroom delays, or if the master delays, what we need most is patience. A patience that will endure. The question is, how do we get patience that endures? Everybody wants, anybody who wants patience, not wanting to be a patient, but wants patience, 
Yes? This biblical patience. Scripture explains it in James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Knowing. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If you allow patience to be perfected when Jesus comes, you will be complete, lacking nothing. You are ready. So what produces, what produces patience? True faith produces patience. True faith produces patience. So how do you test your faith? Test your patience. If you know your faith is, because today's faith is not the biblical faith. Today's faith is now, 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 now. Claim it, name it, take it. There's no patience in it. But the genuineness of your faith is tested. How? Are you really patient? Waiting for God's time, God's ways, God's purpose, God's will. And I'm patient, I'm waiting. Because the one who promised is faithful. Faith produces, genuine faith produces patience. Second thing, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love suffers long. Love is Patient. The first characteristic of genuine love is love is patience. And he knows we are not patient and God is incredibly patient. Therefore, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them full born. But when he gave us children, he gave them as babies so that we will learn patience through them. The wonderful way to learn patience is have babies. They will teach you patience. You can't get them to do anything. Understood? God didn't need to be taught. He already was patient. So he said, Abraham, I'm not going to create you as a baby, full grown. Love is patient. So you need faith, I need faith. You need love, I need love. So if you have faith, and as your faith keeps growing, you will have more patience. If you have love, and your love keeps growing, you will have patience. Now, I'm not talking about love today, okay? Connected with the end days and preparing. Let me explain to you in simple terms, because faith is a word which has been messed up theologically. If you have faith, now look in terms of patience, okay? If you have faith or trust in someone, you will be patient. If you have faith or trust, means the same, in someone, you will wait for him or her. If you love someone, you will wait for him or her. God says, what do you need in the last days? You need faith, you need love, and you will have patience. That's why scripture says, love is patient. Love suffers long. So patience is what we need. But to have that patience, you and I need real genuine faith. Faith means trusting God. Faith means trusting God. Generally speaking, faith means 
trusting God or any person. But here in today's study, it means trusting God. And our greatest struggle, especially in the 21st century, is trust has been lost. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, you did not need a notary. Why? A man's word was bond. That was enough. You didn't need a notary. You didn't need all these legal documents and all. Nothing. A man said his word. That was bond. Today a man's word is not bond. Therefore, you need notary. You need the court. You need the entire system to come after you to keep your word. Trust is a major issue there. We don't trust our leaders. We don't trust parents. Parents don't trust children. Everywhere the major issue is trust is lost. And then when we come into church, we are all told, trust God. Somebody whom you cannot see. Trust God. Therefore God says, God is not a man that he should lie. He says, you can't trust me. Scripture says his yes is yes, his no is no. His yes is yes, his no is no. Scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, for why is he saying all these things? He's saying all these things to tell us, you can trust me. You can trust me. And then to us in the 21st century, he wrote 4,000 years ago in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 17. The Lord your God is the God of goods, gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He said, you can't appease me. Can't. If I have said this is what I am, all the amount of offerings, fasting and prayer is not going to change me. You can't twist my arm. You can't, he says. You can absolutely be sure my yes is yes, my no is no. I don't change. God never lies. He never changes. He never takes a bribe. He is loving, good and righteous always. So the question is, do we trust him? Do we trust him? That is faith. Faith is trusting God. Hebrews 11.6 says very clearly, for without faith it is impossible to please him. Because for he who comes to God must believe that he he is what he has said he is. Don't try to change me, he says. I am what I have said I am. And that is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The more you trust him, he says, I reward you. So faith in God means trust him. He's talking about trust. Hebrews eleven six is talking about trust, faith and not about love. All of scripture and all the stories in scripture is written that we may trust him. Let me explain to you why this is important. Because sometimes we get very carried away with God on terms of emotions. Say somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, you know what? I love you. I love your message. I love the way you speak. I love the way you explain. Blah, 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 the nine whole yards. And then at the end says, but I don't trust you. Think of, Think for a minute. You know what I will tell you? What do I have to do with you? Imagine the same sitting. Lord, how I love you. I worship you. I adore you. You are awesome. But deep inside, I don't trust you. 
You know, you think our prayers are going to get answered? God says, what do you think I am? That's why scripture says, it is impossible to please God without trusting him. Every relationship, genuine relationship is based on trust. And if you don't trust, it's just a fragile, false relationship. And God says, from the beginning till the end, I have made it very clear, this is who I am. I don't change. You can trust me. You can bank your life upon me. Because lots of people who fill churches and sing all these love songs to God actually don't trust God. And the sad part, God doesn't trust them either. God loves us all. Please don't misunderstand. That's a different thing. God cannot stop loving us because he is love. God loves us all, but he trusts very few. That's what scripture says. Jesus would not commit himself into any man. He knows when I'm going to be arrested, all these people who will saying, let us go to Jerusalem and die also will run. Can he commit them into the, his, himself into their hands? He tells them, this is the hour of my trial. Please sit up and pray for one hour. They go to sleep. Can you commit your soul into their hands? No, he won't. He will do it only after Pentecost. Loving is one thing. Trusting is another thing. And the problem is we are deficient when it comes to trust. And our problem is often we don't trust God because, or most often we don't trust God because we try to use God to meet our expectations. And when God doesn't show up, we get upset. So Jesus showed us the way. He says, to show all the people, I have come to do your will and not mine. In Hebrews 10 and verse 7, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. The entire Bible is full of prophecies of Jesus Christ. How he will be born to how he will die. And scripture says, I'm going to show to them it's written before and I will fulfill it. I have come to do your will that I trust you implicitly and you can trust me implicitly. And if we do your will, he's saying to show them that you can be trusted absolutely. And if you do his will, He never fails you. He never fails you. Jesus never doubted. It didn't matter what he was facing. All he had to be absolutely sure is that I am in the will of God and I trust him absolutely. And he says, Father, I know you always hear me. Where did his trust come from? Because he trusted God and because he obeyed God. So that is the purpose of the teaching of the word because faith comes from hearing. Trust. Let's use the word trust. If only knowledge is coming from hearing, it makes no difference. You will be judged even more harshly because you knew much but trusted little. Trust comes from hearing. Like when I prayed in the morning, when you hear, you know what? Sarah is 90 years old. Abraham is 99 years old. There is nothing they can do. Yet God had promised them 24 years earlier. That I will give you a son 24 years earlier when they are able to do nothing later. He comes and says, you know what? Next year you will have a baby. God, if you can do that, I can trust you. If you could do that with Abraham, 
I can trust you. You look at Gideon, fearful man, sitting in a wine press, threshing wheat, and God comes to him and says, Gideon, mighty warrior, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel. Gideon says, who, me? Youngest in the family, least in the clan, least in the tribe. God says, yes, you. And you look at that. If God can do with Gideon, he can do it with me. I can trust you. I can trust you. I may be the least in the class, the one who fails consistently, but if he can make Gideon into a warrior, he can make me into an overcomer. That's how trust comes. You look at how God has dealt with people in history through scripture and you know what? We are, we, we don't make heroes of Moses and Abraham and Gideon and all. Thank God for all of them. There are saints who have gone ahead of us. But we realize, you know what? The purpose is, you know what? I can believe God. He's trustworthy. So the primary purpose is to, one primary purpose of teaching of the word of God is that you and I will learn to trust God more and more and more and more. So we are patient. We are prepared for the hour of his coming. Second, we learn the will of God so that we can do the will of God. That's what Jesus did. He knew the will of God, did the will of God and absolutely trusted his father. So everything flowed for him. So God is faithful. I will use another word. God is trustworthy. It is trustworthy. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. And it is most exemplified. Shown as an example. During Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. Those people perished only because they never sought the will of God nor trusted God. But God was faithful to them all those 40 years. You could trust him. So God is saying, it doesn't matter how rebellious you are. If you have believed in my name at one point and left Egypt, you can trust me. I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. You can trust me. I'll take care of you. You look at Psalm 78. He divided the sea. And caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud. And all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock. And caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him. By rebelling against the most high in the wilderness. He is faithful, 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 faithful. They don't trust him. They are rebellious, 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 rebellious. But he is still faithful. He doesn't change. That's why Timothy, in the letter to Timothy, God will say, even if you are unfaithful, he is still faithful. Don't tell me from the day you got saved, everybody was faithful. No. In verses 22 to 29, because they did not believe in God and did not trust. They did not trust in his salvation. Words he had promised them. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven had rained down manna on them to eat and given them the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp and all around their dwelling. So they ate and were well fed for he gave them their own desire. Were they faithful? Was he faithful? No. God says, you can trust me. 
can be absolutely trust me all these things are recorded to know that you can trust me in small things you can trust me in big things you can trust me in impossible things you can trust me in everything i am trustworthy i don't change in deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 if i'm right yeah actually not 3 uh the next uh, next verse 4 okay you can go to the next one the other reference i gave you i have led you 40 years in the wilderness your clothes have not worn out on you it says your clothes have never worn out 40 years now this is an incredible experience because he is leading them from a city up place egypt to the wilderness where there is no provision of anything there are no clothes there are no ration shops no tailors nothing 40 years in the desert and he says 40 years because i led you in the wilderness your clothes never worn out on you can you imagine after the end of 20 years you have a set of beggars walking around with torn clothes that's not how they looked everyone was well clothed the clothes grew upon them they were fresh You had 2 million absolutely well-dressed people marching through the desert for 40 years. Absolutely well-dressed because God brought them out and he took care of them. And he says, your sandals have not worn out on yet. Their chappals were not fixed with safety pin. You see on the roads with beggars and in JNU, two places. One to sound intellectual and the other because he doesn't have. But not in the desert. you need to be in central university to see costumes to look intellectual okay. he says it has never worn out on your feet can you imagine god's faithfulness are these people good people are these obedient people are these people who trust god no this is a set of complaining rebels but god says i am faithful i brought you out therefore i will lead you through though they were unfaithful he is trustworthy that's one thing god says when he says anyone who comes to god must believe that he is means you have to trust him you have to trust him that's why in the bible he is called what the rock is we sing the song the rock of ages what is the characteristic of a rock immovable unchangeable in deuteronomy 32 and verse 4 he is the rock His work is perfect all his ways are justice a god of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he don't you want to trust somebody like this rock immovable and in 32 and verse 31 for their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves being judged even our enemies every enemy of israel and all the gentile nation who worshiped other rocks small rocks other gods you could never depend upon any one of them you have to constantly appease them and if their enemy went and worshiped a bigger among the smaller rocks this fellow will hit this fellow and this fellow will give up you could never depend upon the other rocks but god says i am the rock i never change I never change i am the rock that is how we build our faith or trust in god So through scripture we see the unfaithfulness of men 
and yet the faithfulness of God and we start going through it believing, believing. We build our trust in God and says, you know, Lord, I believe, I believe. You said you will come. You said you will come at an appointed hour which no man knows. You said when it comes, we need to be prepared and ready. You said you would give me the grace for that. You said, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe in all your promises and I trust you. And patience comes in because of trust. You see, the deepest longing of everyone is this. Give me somebody whom I can trust with all my life. Give me somebody whom I can love with all my heart. Who won't break my trust or break my heart. And God says, that's me. Isn't that the deepest desire of every person? Lord, give me somebody I can really love with all my heart and also trust with all my heart. Two things. That's the deepest desire. That's why on the wedding day, you all have to have stars in their eyes. I love you with all my heart. And I'm going to trust you with the rest of my life. And six months later, sitting for counseling. I don't trust you anymore. I don't love you anymore. I don't know what happened to covenants. You see, the deepest desire of every man, every woman, every child is, Lord, I want really love because you created me that way. I want to love somebody with all my heart and trust that somebody with all my heart. God says there's only one person like that. It's me. Me. You can love me with all your heart. You can trust me. I will never fail you. I will never let you down. And I will love you back and I will trust you more and more and more as you earn my trust. That's me. That's why he's faithful. Yet he's faithful without ever compromising. Moses will understand it the hard way. Ever compromising on his holiness or his righteousness. In his faithfulness, he will care for us. In his righteousness, he will judge us. That is Israel in the wilderness. He cared for them. Met all their needs. But they never sought him. They never trusted him. Nor obeyed him. And they all came under his righteous judgment. And perished without inheriting their promises. Did he kill them? No. He only said when you reach 80, you drop dead. They were all healthy. He didn't allow the enemies to kill them. I brought you out. I made a covenant with you and I'll take care of you. But I also made my word. I judged you. Tenth time of rebellion, I judged you. No one above the age of 20 will inherit. Below 20 is giving a second chance. Above 20, no chance. Your chance is over. He says, you will not inherit your promise. So everybody lived. Actually, they lived a wonderful life. If you like being lazy, it was a good life. All you have to do is walk in the morning, eat in the morning, eat in the night, eat in the afternoon, keep walking and nothing to do. You never have to work. You never have to worry. Don't have to worry about your clothes, shoes or food. What a wonderful life, right, for lazy fellows? They had really nothing to complain. But then they inherited nothing. This is true in the new covenant too. Because we believed, he will take care of us. But because we don't trust him to obey him, he will also judge us so that we may end up like them what? Disinherited. 
Not salvation. Disinherited. What death meant to Israel in the desert, they lost their inheritance. On the other side, they were promised so many things. Their temporal life is contrasted with our eternal life. They never overcame, so they never possessed. If we don't overcome, we will not possess an inheritance on that side. Because only overcomers are promised an inheritance in the Bible, not the others. Therefore, faith, trust produces patience. Question is, do we trust God? Or is our trust increasing? Saul did not trust God. King Saul did not trust God, which led to impatience. And he took matters into his own hands, disobeyed God and lost his inheritance. Was it impatience that killed him? Yes. Why was he impatient? Because he did not trust God. The one who promised is faithful. He's trustworthy. Do we believe? In Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. There is a confession and there is a walk. God says hold on it without wavering. The reason is because the one who promised is faithful. In the process of this walk, because the one who promised is faithful, God wants to sanctify us completely. We have to understand the purpose, what God is waiting for. Purpose. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Jesus Christ. Remember the parable of the ten virgins. Paul said this is the purpose of the ministry within the church. To prepare a holy, sanctified set of people who trust God with all their heart, who love God with all their heart, so that he comes for them. When he comes, he should have that people ready. That's why he delayed. The bridegroom delayed. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord. The second coming. What should happen? He says when he comes, he should find a set of people who are found blameless in the spirit in the soul, in the body. And who will do it? Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. Who also will do it. He says, he will do it. If you're willing, he will do it. The question is, do we trust him to do it? Israel was not interested at all. Was not interested at all. So to the young ones who are nodding off, let me ask this question. If the bridegroom delays, will we be found faithful cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Because what did they lack? The five foolish ones, what did they lack? The oil. And we may think it's a very small thing. It's not a small thing in the kingdom of God. It's a very big thing. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the Bible talks about an unselfish God and calls people to be selfless. But when it came to one thing, they said, we will not share. I will not share my spirit to you. You go get it. I'm sorry. I'm prepared for him. He's come. This is not the time to share. I'm going with him. You go find your own. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
And we think forgetting to carry a little extra oil may look very small to us. It's very big in the kingdom. Very big in the kingdom. It is not the things which we think big are those things that matter in the kingdom. It are the things which we neglect that are important in the kingdom. So please remember, these parables have been put there by God because he's coming for a bride. Read Matthew 25, verses 5 to 9. And while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at the midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all the virgins arose, trimmed the lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And they said, the wise answered saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. Go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. What did they lack? Did they lack separation? No. All ten are called virgins. So they did not lack separation. Did they lack the word? No, they all had lambs. What did they lack? They lacked the continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit. The continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. They said, our lamps are going out. And when did he come? Verse 6. Verse 6 says, and the midnight hour he came. He came when it was the darkest. Imagine, it is the darkest hour in human history and you have no light. And he comes. If he comes in the morning, you don't need light. He comes in the darkest hour. Strange, right? Because Isaiah 66, 2 says about the wise. For those things at my hand. Oh, no, 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 no. Not that. The other one. His light shall. I think it's 60. 64? Give me one second. You have to read it. You cannot skip it. Give me a second. Yeah, 60. I say 66-0. Not Hebrews. I say 60-60 verse 2. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people at the midnight hour. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. When he came in the midnight hour, five of them had lights burning bright. Because the Lord had risen over them. Had risen over them. Are you getting the picture? What did, what was their only problem? They did not remain filled. You see, when you go on a trip, Especially a long trip. We carry everything. We carry extra money, extra clothes, extra food, extra water. I remember in the old days in the railways when we didn't have all these facilities, we carried water in jerry cans. If it was a three-day journey. Because you didn't know where you would get water. There was no bottled water and all in those days. You carried everything. This is a long journey because the bridegroom is delayed. Why is that we carry everything that... Touches our physical material life, what we lack when it comes to God's kingdom. Why don't we go the extra mile to be prepared? They lack the patience to gather for the long delay. 
But he who promised is faithful. He will come. One day he will come. Only thing you and I need to be prepared. Because he's made it very clear who he's coming for. He's coming for a pure, spotless, waiting bride. Look at Arjun's face. You know he's thinking about his marriage. Waiting for his bride. Live example I can pick up. I will wait patiently and be found spotless. In Matthew 25 and verse 10, scripture says, verse 10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, those who were ready went with him. He came in the midnight hour, unexpected hour. But even when he came in the unexpected hour, there was a set of people who were ready and they went with him. So you cannot blame the Lord. You cannot blame, but Lord, you didn't. He said, there are five others who are standing here who are ready. You know, this is a Malayali pastor who gives this beautiful exam. You have to learn Malayalam. After tongues, it's the next best language, okay? <laughs> Humor-wise. Okay, because you can't translate humor into English. It is lost. You go to this child who's written the exam. The child will come and say... Nothing I studied came. So, the blame is on the teacher. You get it? Every student, all the years I've been a teacher, I have never heard students say anything other than that. The other thing in Malayalam is, Everything they ask, you didn't study. Then the fault is on you. That they won't say. The five foolish virgins will say, we... He said, there are five who are ready. If they could be ready, you could be ready too. The blame is, don't put the blame on the bridegroom. You delayed. God says they were ready. If you had come on time, I would have been ready. He said, I delayed. They are ready. You see, we try to shift blame. God says, you know what? You try to shift blame. There will be always a remnant to whom God will point and says, Behold my servant Job is indeed righteous on earth. Noah was found righteous in his generation and he walked with God. God says, wait, wait a minute. Don't make excuses. There has been always been a generation who were prepared, who were ready. Because they trusted God with their life. So God says, are we ready? The bride is ready. They were ready. She was ready. In Revelation 19 verse 7, before, just before the wedding, isn't that what it is said? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made, made herself ready. There is one who is faithful and promises to make you ready, make you spotless in the spirit, in the soul, in the body, but she also makes herself ready. So God says to Timothy, in a God's noble house, there are very vessels. Vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. If any man, woman wants you a vessel of honor, let him cleanse himself. Yes, we sang the blood of Jesus cleanses. Yes, the love of God cleanses. Yes, the word of God cleanses. But I have to apply it and cleanse myself. That's how the bride was ready. She was ready. 
will not only wait patiently, but I will also work patiently till he comes. Matthew 25 verses 9. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have brought five more. When the hour he came, the second part of the parable is that those who were ready were not only waited patiently, they also worked and persevered while they waited patiently. They brought profit to the kingdom of God. They brought profit to the kingdom of God. God said, you allowed your life to be used by me and you have brought into my kingdom profit. That's why Proverbs 30 one talks about the wife and talks about the husband who sits at the city gate. Who's doing all the work? It's Christ who is sitting at the city gates after having finished his work on the cross. And that bride is this thoughtless, pure bride, the church of God, who is doing all the work so that he will be commended at the gate. He's commended at the gate. And that's what God is talking about. Did we persevere or we only had patience? Where we found working? Genuine faith produces both patience and perseverance. It also produces long-suffering. You endure hardship and affliction because you are absolutely sure of the goal. Absolutely. People do it in the world. If you know you can crack civil services or imset, you are willing to go through any suffering. Those who don't do it is because they are not sure they can crack it. You will wake up early in the morning, you sit late in the night, you will cut off everything in your, you will go through suffering just to crack that. But let me tell you something. Civil services, you have plenty of chances now. Five, six chances. The toughest exam in India, one of the toughest is CA. You still get chances. Many chances you can keep on writing. In the kingdom of God, only one. One chance. It's appointed unto man to die once and after that it is. There's no second chance, only one. Because this is a royal civil service, one chance. Just one chance. Interesting, right? That's why God says, I see you. I see you striving and running after all. You know how to persevere. Of course you know how to persevere. I saw you how you studied for MSET. I saw you. You have patience. I saw you working long hours to make that extra money. You have patience, you have perseverance, you have long suffering, you needed it so badly, you took all the insults of your boss. And you were humiliated and you went through it because you wanted it. You have perseverance, you have patience, you have long suffering, but not for the kingdom. It's the truth. We have it. It's not that we don't have it. It is directed in the other way, not towards God. Did we get it, church? He is faithful. I can bank on his promises. If he has promised something, he will do it. He is a righteous judge. He will only judge righteously. If there is a trustworthy, righteous judge, and if he has promised something, people will wait patiently. You know that? People will wait patiently. If the government declares, I know, I mean, I'm scared because the newspaper report actually said around only 20% of the doctors in India, if I'm right, have real certificates. The rest are all fake. That's why I don't go to a hospital. <laughs> Honestly, 
if i go to hospital and i go to a doctor the only thing i call and ask is ec from cmc honestly i'm telling you, otherwise i won't go because i don't trust scary can you imagine 80% or 50% or 60% of the doctors in India are no, don't actually have an MBBS certificate for which they studied and passed through that you bought it paying money? Trust. On the other hand, the government gives you this guarantee. This is trustworthy. You go to, you go to a government bank, they will irritate you no end. You go to a private bank, they will give you royal carpet. Yet you want to put your money in the... Why? Because you trust your money there. Trust your money there. You know if nothing will happen to this bank, even if it crashes, the government will come and give you money back. The private fellow who disappears, neither he nor his khantan can be found. You see a question about trust? God says, I am trustworthy. Absolutely trustworthy, 100%. Two, I am absolutely righteous. So if you have a person who is absolutely trustworthy and absolutely righteous, then you will be patient, you will persevere, and you will be long-suffering to reach the goal or the reward he has promised. Right? You will. People will. But the problem is, there is an issue. There's an issue. You will find those kind of people in heaven too. They're patient. Even in heaven there are people who are still patient because they know God is righteous. In Revelation 6 verse 10 they cried with a loud voice saying how long O Lord holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth. Patiently waiting for judgment. All theologians or most theologians say these people are people saints from the Old Testament because they don't know what forgiveness is. So they say we are still waiting for vengeance and we know you are righteous. We are waiting for vengeance on those who dealt with us. Patiently waiting. Because we know you. You are trustworthy. You are righteous. And we are patiently waiting for justice. Look at a new covenant. Revelation chapter 2. I know your works. Wow. I know your patience. Wow. You cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say that apostles and not have found them liars. You have persevered. Wow. And have patient. Second, you have not worked, labored, gone through affliction for my namesake and have not grown weary. Wow. This is a church which has got true faith, real faith, genuine faith, which has produced patience, perseverance, and long-suffering. Yet in verse 4, God says, What does he say? Nevertheless, I have this against you. It is not enough that you have true faith to go on to the other side. It is not enough. Understand what produces patience. They had faith. They had genuine faith. But there was a problem. And Jesus had a problem with them. You see patience that comes from faith and patience that comes from love. Jesus is not coming for a doctrinally faithful church full of good works. He's coming for a faithful church who is in love with him. Who also waits patiently. Young people will understand. <clears throat> Go to the park. You will see this boy with his laptop. 
People are going, people are coming, lots of people have said, Hello, what are you doing? No, just waiting. He's working and he's waiting. It starts raining. Everybody has slept. He's standing under an umbrella and still trying to work. Why are you not going? No, I am waiting. Evening has come. He's still not left. What are you here for? No, I am waiting. Now you know who is he waiting for. You know why he's waiting? Because he loves that person. That person said, I am coming. But delayed. We know all this in life. We wait for those whom we love. And we wait patiently. We persevere in our waiting. We go through long suffering in our waiting. Faith and love. Are you getting the picture? In 1982 in Armenia, there was an earthquake. In a few minutes, four minutes, the government says 30,000 people immediately died. In four minutes, it died. As soon as it took place, one father ran. Because he had dropped his son at the school. He ran. He ran and he remembered the last place where his son's classroom was. And he ran and he started moving. After some time, other parents and all came and they said, Oh, it is not possible. Leave it alone. It is the whole thing has crashed. He asked them and said, Are you going to help me? They said, No. He said, Then leave me alone. He came. Fire force came. They said, Sir, leave it to us. It is not possible. He said, Are you going to help me? They said, No. They said, Leave it alone. Police came and said, We know you are upset. We are distraught. Please. He said, Are you going to help me? They said, We will try. He said, Leave me alone. He kept. 10 hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, one man alone, going through the rubble, pulling out, pulling out, pulling out. At the end of 38 hour, he heard a sound. And he screamed, Armand! And he says, yes, daddy, I knew you would come. I knew you would come, because you told me I will be always there for you. I knew you would come. He said, how many of you are there? The boy said, dad, a wedge has fallen. There were 33 of us, 14 are alive, the rest are dead. Let me ask you this question. In this, there was both faith and there was love. Do we have it? This is the lie of the devil. The first question asked in the Bible is by the devil. Did God really say you cannot eat? What do you say? You don't have to trust everything that he says. The quest question of the devil is aimed at not creating doubt about what God has spoken. Did God really say? God had really said. Oh, you don't have to believe everything that he says. But you and I have to believe everything that he says. And then what does he do? As soon as they take, yeah, maybe God didn't mean what he said. Next thing he tells finally is that what? If you eat it, you surely will not die. What does it mean? You don't understand. Wow, God is a God of love. He loves you so much, Adam and Eve. Even if what he said was true, he's not going to kill you. Isn't that the same lie that is being preached that everybody will go to heaven? They didn't understand God. God said, I mean what I said. And I say what I mean. You eat, you will die. But I love you so much, I will die and make a way for you for life. It was hidden. The mystery of the church was hidden in the ages. The love of God and the faithfulness of God comes together. You want to wait till the last hour of his coming. We need faith. 
We need love. We will look at love next week. We need both. With one alone, you will be just like, we will just become like the Ephesus church. That is the longing of every soul. Lord, I want to love someone I can trust. And I want to trust the one I love. Am I right? Isn't that all our songs? It's either about love or trust. I remember an old song we used to sing when we were those bad young days. Remember that song? I think it is George Michael who sang it. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. (laughs) And the very next day, you gave it away. I love, but there is a problem of trust. So this year, to save me from tears, I will give it to someone special. And Jesus stands up and says, George Michael, you don't know. I am that one special. I will never give your heart away. I will never break your heart. That is Jesus. Any language, any culture, the songs are all about love or about trust. Remember? Pyar karne wale? All. Or there was one song I remember. Hit when I was young. Sisaya Dilho Tutu. What does it mean? Are you getting behind the cry of every human soul? What is this? Trust. I cannot trust. I trust somebody, they break my heart. And I want to love somebody whom I can trust. God says that's only me. Nobody. He says, even the mother who is holding this suckling baby abandons you. I will not. You can love me. You can trust me. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. I never, never will. It's only God. Nobody. Only God. Only God. That's the patience that comes from faith and from love. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, my Father. There is no shadow turning these things we have patience we have perseverance we have long suffering we have love we have faith we have all these things but if we love the world 
we will take all these things that is given by god and put it into the world and not for the master's use in second corinthians 13 and verse 13 scripture says finally these these three will remain faith hope now abide lasting abide faith hope and love these three but the greatest of these is love this word hope is connected with the patience with which we wait for what has been promised faith and love brings hope it generates patience it generates perseverance it generates long suffering and that's what god is looking for even when he walked on earth even when he walked on earth When he walked on earth one of the first things you see him doing in the gospel according to John is going to a set of people to about whom he told his own disciples you will not enter into the city of the samaritans yet he walks in the daylight in the heat of the sun he goes to samaria he waits outside the town waits patiently by the well waiting for a woman why because he looks into her heart and he sees this woman is looking for somebody she can love and trust you've been married five times now you're living with the sixth one you have patience you have perseverance you have in, in, gone through incredible suffering in your life but you're still hoping for love lady the seventh one has come and is waiting for you he will never let you down he will love you always that's why she leaves that jar at the well side and runs into the city and proclaims come and see who has come he goes to the pool side by bethsheda that's all about the pool side that's a pool side where hundreds of sick beggars alone lie the reason they lie there is not because they can get arms which the better place is to sit by the temple gates where you will get better arms or more arms or more money they are lying by this pool side simply for one reason the god of israel has not moved through a prophet for 400 years but once a year an angel from the lord comes and stirs up the water the first one who falls in gets healed so he goes around and asks you how many years 15 you 20 you 21 you 28 you how many 38 he said you have waited 38 years for a touch of god you have waited 38 years for a touch of god you have patience you have perseverance you have long suffering pick up your mat and walk because i have come for you faith can produce love can produce that patience which we need will be found serving at our post even in the last hour therefore jesus asks a question as we close look 18 and verse 8 he asks when the son of man comes will he really find faith on earth why because faith produces patience you will patiently wait when the son of man comes will he find faith on earth what will paul say few years later in first corinthian if anyone does not love the lord jesus christ let him be come lord jesus who will wait patiently for the lord till their last hour if they don't have faith and if they don't love him that's a question two questions we want 
we may pretend we are waiting but we'll be so involved with the world and our worries and our anxieties and not waiting for the bridegroom the lesson we learn here is there were five they were ready when he came you don't get ready at the hour of his coming you are prepared you are ready each day of your life and you live each day one day at a time say if today is the day lord i am ready i am ready you know we lost we didn't lose we cannot lose in the kingdom of god there is no loss pastor vijay went to be with the lord but he served him till his last hour served him with the last hour he see like our vijay he too was an engineer before i met him he was working for another christian organization and i heard the testimony only this time that he left a job of those years for 28000 to serve in the mission for 2000 now you don't leave for 2000 you leave only for christ yet he went everywhere all the villages he went people loved him and he saw his funeral there were over 3000 people who came in from all over the state they came to say bye to this man who had brought the love of god into their lives you see he died at 39 39 in the bible i told them is the number for affliction 40 minus 1 paul will say i received affliction for 15 years the last time he was diagnosed with cancer was 15 years ago for 15 years he has suffered affliction in his body two bouts of cancer tb pneumonia asthma everything didn't stop him from serving god stopping from serving God with the afflictions in his body he served God I just thank God just my privilege to have met him 6 years ago in a meeting when he translated and I looked at him and I knew this is a young man after God's own heart and I said will you come with me he said I will I will and I just thank God and you know what two weeks before he died he made everything right with man before he went he called up and said to my wife when you bury me i want to wear my dad's shirt my shirt so i took a shirt from him and he was buried in my shirt i want to be buried in my father's shirt tell my father when he comes to bury me bring one of his shirts and bury me in that some no 39 years old gone and his wife standing there like a rock firm in the faith and yesterday they said i'm going back to all the fields where my husband served and i'm going there with my two children and the church and i'll continue ministry what god started with him let him finish through me no that stuff kingdom of god is made of yes there is grief but we have hope it is called that's why it's called the blessed hope scripture is calls it when you walk in faith when you walk in love the hope you have is a blessed hope that's what i said at the funeral the blessed hope hope is blessed why you have a body here tired weak afflicted you get a better body there no sickness no affliction no tiredness no weariness you get a better body You have a home here doesn't matter how good it is scripture says you get a better home here there is no comparison to any mansion on earth to the home that is there 
You have an inheritance over here. But God says you finish your race well. You have an inheritance over there. There is no comparison to any inheritance on earth. Because nothing can even touch that inheritance. And God says above all. Here we see darkly. There you see face to face. You have an intimacy with the Lord. Like you never experienced on earth. And an intimacy with the saints of God. Which you could never have on earth. Isn't that a blessed hope? Blessed hope. This is what the saints waited for 2000 years. For them, death was a departure. It was not tragedy. It was a departure. Paul will say, time for my departure has come. Paul will say, it has come for me to put away this tabernacle. They were all looking forward to it because they knew faith and love had brought it all together and for them the kingdom of God was real. We don't talk fiction here. The kingdom of God is real. Absolutely real because it is caught up in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is to him the call is. Jesus doesn't say, come into the kingdom. He says, Come to me. Come to me. All who are weary, heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. So this morning, shall we stand up in the presence of God? As the eighth month has begun, another new month God has given us. Many didn't enter into a new month. Right? We've been given another month, another day, another week. And we just thank God for the strength He has given the love we still have, increase it. The faith we still have, increase it. And the hope, the blessed hope. that one day, all this is over and we are with Him. Father, this morning we come to You. We come to You in that blessed name of Jesus. Nothing that we go through. Everything that we go through. has to be seen in the light of your incredible love for us. And we will be able to bear it only if we love you, Lord, with all our heart. That's why your servant says, O oh Lord, these momentary afflictions is nothing compared to the weight of glory that waits for all those who are prepared and longing for his coming. I pray, Father, there would be a quickening in the spirits of young and old. This world is passing away. And the desires of this world are also passing away. But the one who does the will of God will never pass away. Oh Father, open eyes today. Open eyes today of those who are still caught in this world. The fears of this world, the anxieties of this world, the desires of this world, the lusts of this world. Oh Father, open. Open eyes, O oh Lord. And to your incredible love for us. And what you have prepared for those who love you. For you say, eyes haven't seen, no ears heard. Meaning nothing in earth can compare to what is prepared for those who love you. No tales of the man who has traveled the widest can compare to what God is preparing for those who love him. There's no comparison on earth to heaven. Help us to see reality, your reality, your truth. And prepare, O God, daily for your coming. In faith, in love, in love and in faith. Because you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy.
trustworthy. You will never fail us. Your love will never fail us. Your word will never fail us. Help us to know, to believe, to obey, and to walk. As we go into another week, another month, I pray your presence would go before each one. Order each one's steps. Order our steps. That we walk in the ways you have prescribed for us. Guide us with your hand. Guide us with your eye. Guide us, O Lord. Empower us, O Lord, that we walk closer to you each day and closer with you. And we learn to walk before you and be found blameless in your sight. Because you could come today. Help us to be found blameless whenever you come. Slow to speak. Slow in anger. Not letting the sun go down our anger. Not letting sin and bitterness fester in our hearts. To have peace with God and peace with man each day. Yet serve Him with all our heart, with all our strength. For your glory alone. Help us. Help us Lord. For many Father I pray this would be a new month. A new beginning. All those who think they failed till July. Let it be a new beginning for them Lord. For your mercies are new each morning. Let them start afresh. Because you are a father. You will not deny us. You will not cast us away. You thrill to see your children run the race. Strengthen feeble arms. Strengthen feeble legs. Strengthen feeble hearts. Strength, Lord. Strength. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless your people in your name. May the blessing of the living God rest upon each one. Strengthen them and empower them to stand there for Christ and to serve Christ all the days of their life. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.